0: Hello everybody. Before I begin the message today this weekend, um, I just want to say some thank yous um, first, I just want to thank you the church uh, for all that you are doing you know the church is far more uh, than a building it's far more than meetings and groups getting together. Uh, the church is made up of people people who express their love for God, love for one another, and uh, love for our community and that's that's what you have been doing and I want to thank you. Uh, the, the, for reaching out and touching uh, other people's lives. I've heard innumerable stories of people who've received phone calls, seeing how people are doing, uh, taking care of different members of our uh, church community, and and uh, being aware of and, and reaching out to the community of Eau Claire and Large today. And so I just want to thank you for being the church. Secondly, I, I want to thank you for, for giving generously and continuing to go forward with... Uh, your commitment. Um, God has blessed us uh, a lot during this time. Uh, we've been able to uh, uh, send some funds out to people who need it, either reduced work hours or being laid off. And, and out of our benevolence fund, we've been able to uh, take care of some of those needs. So I just want to thank you for those things. Um, God has truly given us a great church family at Eau Claire Wesleyan Church. Today we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer. Prayer is something many of us take for granted. We say a prayer at mealtime, we say a prayer at bedtime, we say a prayer before we take a trip, and then we say a prayer when we're sick. We even throw up emergency help prayers to God whenever we need it. We might even follow the example of the person who was in trouble and said, God, if you help me this one time and save my life, I promise I'll never bother you again. But prayer is far more than asking God's blessing on our food and far more than asking for a good night's rest or asking for a safe trip or healing from the flu. It's more than an emergency distress call. There are various elements of prayer. There are different types of prayer. Intercession is based on the word intercedere to go between. It's praying for somebody else. There's petition, which is asking or request for ourselves. There's confession. There's praise or adoration. There's thanksgiving. There's watching. But simply put, prayer is communication with God. The fact that prayer makes a difference, and we believe that, flows out of something called faith. Faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Today we're going to look at what God says about prayer in his own words. Solomon, the greatest king of Israel and of all history, has just completed an enormous building project. Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem as a place to worship the one true God. Then they held a two-week festival to celebrate this incredible historical occasion. The following night God appeared to Solomon and spoke to him God's message to Solomon is recorded in 2nd Chronicles 7 and I'd like us to look at part of this passage 2nd Chronicles 7 The Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you that you speak to us through your word, the word, the living word of God. And I just pray, Lord, at this time, as there's a lot of discouragement, there's a lot of fear, a lot of things going on in people's lives. I just pray that you would encourage us to pray, realizing that you hear and you heal. So we just give you this time and ask that you take these words and change our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of today's message is, If, if. The nation of Israel is entering its most prosperous days and the people experienced prosperity, peace, security, and justice. Families could count on jobs and prosperity. They could count on protection from invaders. They had plenty of food. They had abundant crop yields. They had three wagons in each garage, a guarantee of 2.5 kids and a dog. It was the American dream in Israel in 959 BC. But God knew what happened to a nation when everything was going well. They forgot. They forgot God. They forgot where their prosperity came from. They would begin to replace the one true God with cheap substitutes. And since God knew that their prosperity and well-being was dependent on their relationship with God, he would constantly send reminders. First, he would send reminders in the form of prophets or prophecies. These were warnings. And then if these were unheeded, he would send judgment or plagues, sickness and disease, drought economic loss, the interruption of food supplies, locusts, raiders, or invaders. The purpose of these judgments was to remind the people that it was God who is their source of prosperity, and to get them to turn away from other gods to the one true God once again. In the United States of America, we've experienced unparalleled prosperity, Homeownership, ownership, the highest in the world, the highest standard of living in the world, the best educated, the healthiest, the best fed, in fact, we're supersized, the most number per capita of dieters. But God has been sending us a wake-up call. And our country is in crisis. Our country is in crisis. Not only the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, but we are divided as never before. Outright war between two major political parties in our government, Washington paralyzed by the divisions, truth which is absent or impossible to find, our mainstream media functioning only as propaganda machines. The corruption and outright lawlessness of our previous years has been absolutely breathtaking. We've discovered marriage is no longer between a man and a woman, gender is whatever a person wants to become. And even restrooms are unsafe spaces for children. All kinds of issues. All kinds of issues that we're doing. And it's a mess. And as our nation, at its peak of prosperity, at the most prosperous time economically in the history of our, of our nation, we get hit with this coronavirus pandemic. And it's, it's a mess. We need Prayer. We need prayer. Now when in this state, God says to Solomon, and God says to us, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Heal their land. Today, we're going to look at nine principles of prayer. Again, This is not exhaustive about prayer, but nine principles of prayer that we find in this particular passage. Number one, God will only act if we pray. God will only act if we pray. Now, God can and will do whatever he pleases, but in circumstances like this, he promises to act only if we pray, if we ask him to act, if we ask him. Jesus said in Luke 11, 9-10, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him, who knocks, the door will be opened. God has not promised to act unless we pray. James 4.2 says, You do not have because you do not ask God. Powerless. Powerlessness is directly proportional to prayerlessness. Powerlessness is directly proportional to prayerlessness. Now we will write letters, we'll send emails, we'll blog, we'll call our congressmen, we'll picket, we'll march, we'll demonstrate, we'll attend meetings, we'll donate money, but not pray. As good church people, we attend services. We work with children and youth. We go to connect group. We participate in fellowship events. We invite people to church. We visit the sick. We have neighborhood barbecues. We do a lot of great things, but we don't pray. If my people, a big if, God will only act if we ask him to. Pray, pray. Number two, prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. If my people, now even though the sins are national and corporate, the prayer to God is always personal. It's not they have sinned or even we have sinned, but it's I have sinned. I have sinned. Even though Solomon talks about the corporate nature of sin, the national expression of sin, leaders own the sin. They confess it themselves. Sin is corporate, but confession is personal. We find this personal confession of sin all throughout the Bible, especially with people like Jeremiah, prophets who said, I have sinned. He owns the sin of his people. God is a personal God who listens to each of us as individuals. We cannot depend on someone else's relationship with God. Your parents may have a relationship with God, but that's not good enough. Do you have a relationship with God? Your grandfather or grandmother may have a relationship with God, but that's not enough. Do you? Your husband or wife may have a relationship with God. Do you? We are not related to God through others like a first or second cousin or brother-in-law. God has no grandchildren. God only has children. A personal relationship. Prayer is personal. My people. Thirdly, prayer is the primary expression of our relationship with God. Prayer is the primary expression of our relationship with God. It says those who are called my name. Those who are called by my name. If we call ourselves Christians, we have the name of Christ. God has called us into a special relationship, a unique relationship. And we cannot be in a relationship without communication. There has to be communication. I have counseled many couples over the last 40 years or so whose relationship had just grown cold and distant. And I hear them say, I just don't love him anymore. I just don't love her anymore. When we get to the root problem at many times is that they never really talk. The common denominator of problems in a relationship is no communication. No communication means no relationship. The Bible often uses the human re- marriage relationship to illustrate our spiritual relationship to God. We are called the bride of Christ. And when we turn over our life to Jesus, we become married to him. Married to him. The promise to love, cherish, and be faithful to God, forsaking all others. God initiated this relationship, sent Jesus to make it possible, and we respond. But like those who got married and after the honeymoon said, I'll talk to you again in about 20 years. Some people never communicate with God. Pray. Pray. Now, we are called of God not into rule-keeping, but into relationship, personal relationship. Prayer is the primary expression of our relationship. Number four, prayer is humbling. Prayer is humbling. says those who will humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves and pray. Humble says, I need God. I need God. I will never forget the events surrounding 9-11. America did not need God until attacked on our own soil. And the people of our country united in humility. They met in churches across our nation to pray and seek God. And it lasted, what? Like two months? 9-11 was an instrument of judgment in God to remind us how much we need God. God did not cause 9-11. He allowed it. What has happened during this pandemic? All of a sudden, the entire world, the globe, realizes they don't have the answers. And they realize that we need God. We need God. All through the history of the Bible we read of God allowing or even raising up foreign armies to fight and defeat God's people, Israel, as an instrument of God's judgment in order to remind his people how much they need God. I do not want to equate the modern United States with ancient Israel, but there are some very real parallels and applications. Personally, God allows challenges in our lives that are too big for us to handle so that we will go to our knees and pray. And you know what? It's humbling. It's humbling. It's supposed to be humbling. It is admitting that we need God. Some people need God to intervene in difficult situations out of their control. Others must humble themselves and pray by admitting that even all their success has not brought the promised happiness and fulfillment. They're empty. They need something more, something greater. They need God. Where does meaning come from? Augustine prayed, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Need God. Prayer is humbling. Number five, prayer is is seeking God. Prayer is seeking God. It says, seek my face. What does that mean? What, is, what does it mean, seek my face? Well, today we have what's called facial recognition software. Facial recognition software. And it runs on security computers at airports, and they're hoping to catch terrorists or criminals via video surveillance. Some of our newest phones, iPhones, smartphones, have face recognition, so all we have to do is look at it and it'll open up and unlock. (laughs) Does seek my face mean we are trying to recognize the face of God? Well, kind of. It's a start. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. When a man falls in love with a woman, he pursues her, tries to spend time with her. He wants to have face time. He wants to be with her. He seeks her face. And a man in love will do everything possible to spend time with that woman. That passion for love, passion for relationship, leads to seeking her face. When we seek God's face, it means not only recognizing his face, but pursuing face time. Not physically, but spiritually spiritually. Wouldn't it be great if we could FaceTime God with our computer or mobile device? Oh wait, well, we can actually do that without electronics. We have FaceTime with God. Spending time with God in prayer. FaceTime. Seek his face. Spend time. Learn to know God. What pleases him? Developing a more and more intimate relationship with God. Another dimension of that is holiness. Holiness. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We won't even see him without holiness. God said, be holy for I am holy. Now, when we think of holiness, we think of right living, right and wrong, trying hard not to sin, trying not to do anything wrong. Well, two challenges for that definition of holiness. Uh, that, that means our relationship is more self-centered than God-centered. In other words, what can God do for me? More concerned about victory over my sin than the fact that sin grieves the heart of God. And God wants us to walk in obedience, not victory. And if we're obedient to God, we will be victorious. And the result will be victory. And it will be unhindered face time with God. One of the other challenges with holiness is sometimes there are sins we don't take seriously. We categorize sin. Some are acceptable, some are tolerated. There's one religion that labels sins venial sins and mortal sins. And while we may not subscribe to that belief, sometimes we live like that in practice. Realizing we must realize all sin affects our relationship with God. The Song of Songs 215 says little foxes spoil the vine, or little sins, or small compromises. All sin is serious. And if we are to seek God's face, we are seeking what pleases God, what is his will. Holiness according to his standards, not our own perceptions or rationalizations. There's no such thing as acceptable and unacceptable sins. All sin is sin before God. And prayer is seeking God. What follows is the next logical step. Number six, prayer includes repentance. Prayer includes repentance. He says, to turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked ways means getting right with God. Repentance is a 180 degree turn. It's turning to God. It's a change of heart, a change of attitude. And repentance includes confession, which is verbally agreeing with God. Confession is verbally agreeing with God, saying, I I agree. This is what I did. This is what I thought. This is what I've done. Now, we can confess without repenting, but we cannot repent without confessing. Let me say that again. We can confess without repenting, but we cannot repent without confessing. Agree with God. I sinned. I messed up. And prayer includes confession leading to repentance, turning back to God. Is there an area in your life personally in which you need to get right with God? Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my anxious thoughts, and lead me in the way everlasting. Is there an area, anger management, gossip, lust, maybe it's pride or self-righteousness, lack of passion, prayerlessness, self-sufficiency, all of these could be sins in our life that get in the way of our total open relationship with God. The big if includes humbling ourselves, praying, seeking God's face, and repentance. There's an if and a then. And you know, God never gives an if without a then. There's always a command with a promise. There's Whenever he gives a command, he always, always accompanies it with a promise. And his promise here is absolutely stunning. It's stunning. The seventh principle of prayer, number seven, is prayer touches God's heart. Prayer touches God's heart. I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. Now, hear means more than just an auditory acknowledgement. It's not just an auditory auditory acknowledgement. If a guy's reading the newspaper, he can hear his wife talking, but he doesn't hear a word she says. If your son is playing a computer game and you talk, he hears sound, but he doesn't hear a word you're saying. If your daughter is texting her friend and you talk to her, she can hear noise, but no individual words. Hmm. God hears. God listens. And this moves past hearing to his heart. To his heart. The Christian faith stands alone as a belief that prayer needs. Humility and repentance are actions that prompt God to listen to our prayers. Not sacrifice or suffering, self-punishment, begging or appeasement. Prayer, need, humility and repentance. And what's the promise? I will hear from heaven. I will hear. That's a long way off. From my high position as the God of the universe, I will hear you, feel your pain, and understand your fear. I will understand your fear. A lot of fear today. I will hear you. Number eight, prayer restores relationship. Prayer restores relationship. God says, I will forgive their sin. I will forgive their sin. In Exodus 34:6-7 it says the Lord the Lord the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished he punishes the children and their children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation God is compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in love, abounding in faithfulness. And his love goes to thousands of generations. Thousands of generations. Forgiveness and restoration of relationship. The the contrast is marked, he says, he punishes sin to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but he blesses and loves to thousands of generations. What a contrast, what a gracious, loving, and faithful God we have forgiveness, forgiveness, and it's guilt, guilt feelings and real guilt. God forgives the real guilt which can then take care of guilt feelings sometimes we just carry this guilt first John one: nine says if we confess our sins, he Jesus is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness prayer restores relationship in jeremiah 31 33 it says this is the covenant i will make with the house of israel after that time declares the lord i will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts i will be their god and they will be my people I will be their God, they will be my people. It's a description of God sending the Holy Spirit to live in us, to change our hearts, to write on our hearts, and become part of us, and restore relationship with God himself. Prayer restores our relationship with God. And finally, finally, number nine, prayer moves God to action. Prayer moves God to action. He said, I will heal their land. Our land desperately needs healing. Desperately needs healing. And we're not talking just about the physical healing from the COVID-19 pandemic and all the illnesses and all the other things. Our land, America, is sick with sin, sick with perversion, sick with immorality. And God is not saying that all those evil people need to change first. He says it all starts with God's people. My people who are called by my name. If they pray, I will act. If they pray, I will act. This is a call to action. It's a call to prayer. The most important thing you can do with your time is pray. The most important thing you can do with your life is pray. The most important activity of this church is and must be prayer. We can fill our time playing church, having nice services, great get-togethers, weddings, funerals, baptisms, baby dedications, potlucks, activities, or we can make a real difference and pray. Our mission, love God, love people, be transformed. Love God, love people, be transformed. It's accomplished in many ways. It it includes everything that we do as a church. But mostly we can ask God to accomplish the impossible through you and you and you, if we pray. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. Would you be that one, if, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Father, this is a call a time in the history of our country, and a time in the history of our state and our community, our county, to stand up and pray. And God, I just pray that you would give us a vision of, of what we're called to do, what we're called to be. And no matter where we are, we can pray. And I pray that as we move forward, we move forward into the next month and two months and into the summer, that we will not forget our need for you, and that we would humble ourselves and we would pray so you can heal our land. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Even though we're unable to meet together as a church family, we want to express our love and appreciation for mothers This week, all the mothers in our congregation will be receiving a special gift in the mail. It's just a small way to say thank you and tell you how important you are. Also, as a reminder, our sanctuary is open Monday through Thursday, 10 to 12 noon for open prayer. Just feel free to come anytime for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour or two to pray for our country, our state, our community, and other special needs. Finally, on Sunday, May 17th, we are having Drive-In Church at 10 a.m. We will be serving coffee to you and your car. All you need to do is tune in through your FM radio. We're planning to do this through May, and we trust we will be able to gather again by June. But those who are concerned about COVID-19, we will continue the Drive-In Church broadcast as long as we need to. Have a great day.